1: Welcome to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church, where we minister in the spirit of excellence under the leadership of our anointed senior pastor, Pukus Sterling III. Please stay tuned at the end of this broadcast for information on how to obtain a copy of today's message in its entirety. And now, Pastor
2: Sterling. I want to invite your attention to the book of Acts just looking at a couple verses in Acts chapter 1. Started looking at verse 8, but also Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse number 1. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the word of the Lord reads, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Verse 12 Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, the zealot, and Judas, the son of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, with his brothers. Acts chapter 2, verse number 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. and I have had a great opportunity to shift my view of things as a passionate observer to try to understand and discover what is really going on with the church. I've watched and I've witnessed that there's a change of climate, there's a change of attitude, there's a change of mentality that's going on in the church. It seems to me that the church, the people, those who are born again, blood-washed, baptized, those who are the church, it seems to me that they've become lazy, lethargic, uninterested, failing to... Do what God has called them to do, over inundated with pain, but yet not calling upon the Lord or drawing upon the strength of the God who has given us the ability to deal with these things, but on the contrary, we've opened up ourselves to any kind of resolution that the enemy has to offer. We're desperate. The church is desperate. The people are desperate because they're in pain, but they won't use the medicine God has given. And so, see all the craziness going on all around us and the church of the living God still going through the regular routine of meeting and greeting and leaving but never doing anything that changes the world around it. In fact, by all intensive measurements, the church of America is shrinking, drastically dying away. And so all of this concerns me, it has worried me, it's troubled me, and the Lord has led me to begin a series of messages to preach from the title, Summer Revival for the Modern Day Church. Now, I ask the Lord, is it possible to stir revival in the church that has died and is creeping away and has drifted so far from you? The answer came through the time of meditation and prayer. It's not a question of whether it can be or should be. The answer came, it is necessary to preach revival to the modern day church. And so here I am operating and functioning in the necessity that the Lord has laid upon me. And so as we look at this particular passage of scripture, I want to start off our series speaking from the subject matter. Remember, you need the Holy Spirit. Point to the person next to you and say, remember, you need the Holy Spirit point at the musicians, point at choir members, you need the Holy Spirit. Ministers, preachers, deacons, you need the Holy Spirit. Pastor, you need the Holy Spirit. Trustees standing out watching things, you need the Holy Spirit. Doesn't matter where you operate, doesn't matter what role you play or whether you have played the role of the bench warmer. but if you're in the kingdom of God, remember you need the Holy Spirit. The church just seems to be doing what it does on its own strength and own power, and there seems to be no Holy Spirit power moving. And so I say, Well, let me go back and, and examine in the, the beginnings what was going on, and, and so as I looked at the Holy Spirit's coming in Acts here, the beginnings and infancy of the Church of God, I noticed that the Holy Spirit came to fulfill the divine promise of God. As Jesus was preparing to leave his disciples, as he was preparing to go back to heaven, he left them with instructions and he left them with promise. In Luke chapter 24, verse 49, Jesus says to them, behold, I send promise of my father upon you, but tarry in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Jesus left them this instruction that I need you to go to Jerusalem and don't do anything until you are endued with power from on high. In other words, what Jesus needed them to understand was that the ministry I'm sending you into, this walk of life, of having this relationship with God is going to require the endowment of the Holy Spirit. In other words, you need the power of God to do what I'm sending you to do. So he tells them, go to Jerusalem, tarry there, wait there for the Holy Spirit. And then I looked at that and I said, well, wow, the modern day church needs to remember that it needs the power of the Holy Spirit if it's going to be successful in the fulfillment of what God has called the church to. We need the Holy Spirit, which was promised by God that it would empower us to accomplish the assignment of God. Now, in John chapter 14, beginning at verse number 16, Jesus says this, and I will pray the Father, and He will give you another Helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you another comforter, a Greek word alas, another who is the same. I'm leaving, but I'm going to send you another who is the same, and he's going to be with you forever, and he'll not only be with you, but he'll be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Jesus tells his disciples, he tells his church, I'm not going to send you out in your own power. I'm not going to cast you out to do ministry in your own strength. I'm not going to send you on this journey of being my witnesses on your own. No, You go wait in Jerusalem, and I'm going to send you the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm coming back to you in the form, not of flesh, but in the form of the Spirit, and I'm going to dwell in you, and then I'm going to be the strength in you to accomplish through you what I want to be accomplished. But don't go anywhere without the power. You need this Holy Spirit. And so he lays out this idea for them as a promise that the Holy Spirit is going to come. This divine promise is going to be fulfilled. It's going to happen. And then in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, he says it again. And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Here's my question. If all of this power is available, if all of this endowment has already been given to every born again believer, why is the church so weak? Why are we reading every day about the same old thing? I mean, it's almost a running joke. Turn on the news. Let's see who died today. Let's see what crazy thing happened today. Why is that happening in a world where the power of the most high God dwells inside of every believer? Why is it that when pastor says, we're going to go out into our community and we're going to witness in the community. Why is it that you said, Oh no, not me. Why did you get gripped with fear? And why were you not endowed with power? If the Spirit of God is present and the Holy Spirit has been promised to us as a divine promise and we have that Spirit dwelling with us and in us, then the church ought not to be weak unless and except the church is not relying on the Holy Spirit. Now, you're thinking that the church is them people. The church is that building. The church is those buildings. No, no, no. The church is you, born again believer you are the church. Maybe the reason why you're dealing with some stuff that you ought to be able to overcome, but you haven't is because you're relying on your strength and not that of the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. If revival is going to come to the church
0: of the living God, you've got to trust
2: in the Holy Spirit because you need the Holy Spirit. You cannot do this in your own strength. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, the Holy Spirit came when they were united with divine purpose. I was trying to gather this whole thing together, trying to see, okay, what was it that allowed the Holy Spirit to have the opportunity to come in the first place? And I think, first of all, it was that the Holy Spirit came because it came to fulfill the divine promise of God. But then, secondly, it came when all the people were united with divine purpose for God. See, the modern-day church is loaded with multitudes of agendas, The modern-day church is not on one accord. Can I break it down a little further? In your house, you're probably not on one accord, even in your own house. So if all of this discord is going on, how can the Holy Spirit feel welcome in your house? How does it feel welcome in Kettering Baptist Church? How does it feel welcome in the kingdom of God when everybody's operating on their own agenda? Everybody's in it for a different reason. Then we got the church operating and not understanding what the purpose of the church was for in the first place, so we all off on political agendas, trying to change political climates in ways that God never designed it to be operated. Now, don't get me wrong. God does put people of the church in political spaces and positions because we have to influence all over. But the energy of the church, the energy of the collective body is not politics. That's not our energy. That's not our agenda. Jesus said when he left, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit to be my witnesses. I didn't leave you here for all these TV programs and, and trying to get your own fame and get your own name. That's not the agenda of God. But in the text, what I saw in Acts chapter 1 verse 14, it says that they were all gathered together. Guess what they were doing? These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplications, all with the women of Mary and the mother of Jesus. They were all together praying for the same thing. The church. These early disciples, apostles that came together, they had one agenda, and that was the agenda of God, and when they all came together, and they all had one agenda, and they all were focused on the same thing, all praying for the same thing, guess what? The Holy Spirit felt welcome to come and bombard their surroundings as a rushing mighty wind. But it came when the church got it all together, and they were all operating with the same agenda And I'm suggesting that the church of today, if it's going to be revived, it needs to get on the same agenda, the agenda of God and not on its own agenda. We've got to come together and spend more time praying and less time complaining. The time of revival is now, and we need to be praying on the same page. Not only did it come at that point in time, but when I got over to Acts chapter 2, I found out something else. It came on the day of Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost came on the 50th day after the Passover celebration, the Feast of the First Fruits, the 50th day after that. It was a feast that marked the end of the harvest festival. And it was on that 50th day, the last marking of the end of the harvest festival. In other words, we had collected all of our crop, everything that came up and grew and we harvested and we got it in. In essence, if I was going to equate that to something, it was payday in Jerusalem because everybody who was Harvested, and so it's time to gather in from the harvest what you harvested, and they had a celebration about that. During that particular time on the 50th day that marked the end of the grain harvest, what that day was called Pentecost. Everybody came to the house of God, and everyone whom God had blessed in the harvest, everyone who had vestment in the harvest, everyone came and they gave what was called a free will offering to God. The way they gave this free will offering to God was they would not just come and march around and slide their hand into the plate or tap the plate. No, what they would do was they would take their offering that they had to give to God because they wanted to honor the God who had blessed them with the resources through the harvest. It was God who brought the sun. It was God who brought the rain. It was God who brought the increase. And so what they did to honor God in the free will offering was they would take their offering, bring it to the house of God and wave it before not the people but wave it before God and say, God, this is how I honor you. When the people of God honored God with the resources, the Holy Spirit came. When the people of God were all on one agenda, all on one accord, praying in the same direction and honoring God the same way it was on that day that the Holy Spirit came. And the Bible says on that day of Pentecost, and it had fully come. They were all with one accord. Everybody was all together, having all things in common. Everybody was on the same agenda. They were all in one place. They were all operating, functioning, and loving together. Watch this. This is how the church needs to be. If the church is going to experience revival, if, if your house is going to experience revival, if your community is going to experience revival, we got to get on the same page because we need the Holy Spirit. We can't do this on our own. We can't do it by ourselves. And so we were all together. They were all on accord. The Holy Spirit came. The Bible says then suddenly there came the sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. Until we get the church back on track to be fully focused about him and being witnesses for him, we're going to miss the whole objective that he died on the cross for us for, that he sent his Holy Spirit back to in us with, that we can't be witnesses if there's no unity, we can't be witnesses. There's no power where there's no unity. There's no power when we're not walking in the fullness of God. And so, the modern-day church needs to get off of its own agenda and needs to get in line with the agenda of God. Last point, I'm out of your way. We fulfill the divine promise, when they were united with divine purpose, the Holy Spirit came to manifest divine power. When the Holy Spirit came... Everything about the Holy Spirit coming demonstrated divine, supernatural, God-given power. Verse number two says, suddenly there came a sound from heaven. Notice the sound didn't come from the other pew. The, The sound didn't come from the pulpit. The sound didn't come from the organ. The sound didn't come from the choir loft. The sound came from heaven. This power It's coming from God. It's not coming from pastor. It's not coming from people. It's not coming from political programs. This power comes from God. Even the sound of it is telling you I'm coming from God. The sound came from heaven. As of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. This presence came with almost like a tornado type sound with wind rushing and it filled the house that they were in and then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and one sat upon each of them. This is when the Holy Spirit came. It came to manifest the power of God and so on each one of them a language, a tongue came. There appeared on them, divided tongues as of fire, that sat on each one of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. What it means is that the Holy Spirit took over. The Holy Spirit was in control of them and they began to speak. They were speaking a language they had not been taught. This Greek word in the text for tongues is not this hobbler, hobbler, hobbler. No, this is the word "glōssa." It literally means languages that have not been studied. They began to speak with languages they had never Ever study. They did not go in the back room and somebody taught them how to speak and how to hobble and how to do this and how to roll over on the floor. No, this was not an emotional outburst. This was the Holy Spirit's power giving them the ability to speak languages they had never studied before. Pastor, why did they need to do that? I'm glad you asked. It's right here in the text. Because verse 5 says, There were dwelling in Jerusalem. Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. So you've got 12 guys who only speak two or three languages, but you've got people gathered from every nation under the heavens. How are we going to communicate with all those people? If everybody got a different language, how I'm going to communicate with them? The Holy Spirit took care of that. He gave them the supernatural ability to speak everybody's language who was gathered in that place. They spoke one language and everybody heard them in their own language. And he says, and when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and they were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own dialectus the Greek word that's used here is different from the word that's used earlier. The first word is "glossa," that's language. The second word is dialectus. So in other words, they heard them not only speak in their own language, but the dialect of their language. So for example, if you happen to speak English, there are various dialects of English. If you're from Texas, you heard them speaking Texas draw dialect. If you were from England, you heard them speak with an English accent. Every person from every nation heard them speak in their own dialectus. How is this possible? It's possible because the Holy Spirit did it. This was not what we see in church today. This was not somebody going off on an emotional tirade. This was not a ha-ha, but I just got to shunned It was God speaking through these 12 men, the very powerful works of God. And that's what the text says. Why did he do that? He did it all to fulfill what he said he was going to send the Holy Spirit back to do in the first place. That you may be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world, I'm going to give you, I'm going to endow you with the Spirit of God to be able to be my witnesses wherever you go. What's happening to the church today? the modern church is not relying on the Holy Spirit of God. The modern church is relying on the power of logic. They're relying on the power of emotion. We're going to get them all emotional, get the church all excited. What good is all the excitement when you leave out and there's no power and no change in your life? The church that God set up was supposed to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. God laid it out so clear. When he began the church, he sent his Holy Spirit to be with them, to be in them, to operate through them, to do miraculous things. Why? So that they might give testimony, that they might be witnesses of him in this world that we live in. When we become witnesses of him in this world we live in, we'll watch the witness change the people. Because our witness will change the attitude. Our witness will change the lives of people around us. and So we become witnesses of him in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the other parts of the world. We need the Holy Spirit.
1: Praise the Lord. You've been listening to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church under the leadership of Senior Pastor Bukus Sterling III, where we minister in the spirit of excellence. We pray that you have been richly blessed by today's message. Financial contributions in support of this ministry are welcome. We thank you in advance for uniting with us in kingdom building. For a copy of this sermon on CD or to hear this message again on the web, For additional information, go to our website at KetteringMinistries.org or contact our church office at 301-574-3515. Please join us again as Senior Pastor Buca Sterling III and the Kettering Baptist Church family minister in the spirit of excellence